You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. everyone and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasse, your host, and along with our producer Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Not too bad. I did have a bit of a scare this morning oh, uh, with regards to technology. <laughs> you, know, uh-huh. you, you and I were trying to, uh, to connect and um, and just got to the point that my phone decided not to charge and then I wasn't able to communicate with you and it got me thinking how reliant we are on our phones and I actually had to use my other home line and just holding oh. it holding my my home phone in my hand today felt very foreign to me but well, it speaks to uh how things have changed over, over this, yeah and and if we're going to be time. doing this uh for a good long time this stuff better be very reliable <laughs> well thankfully today we're we're connected so it's good we're good to go and today's show yes, is taped are. it's taped so no opportunity for calling in but please do follow us on our social sites we are on instagram twitter and facebook and if you would like to contact us directly please feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca and do subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, and all of your favorite podcast platforms. And you can find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. <clears throat> Excuse me, Alex. So we've talked a lot about stress. We've talked about pros and cons of our current situation. But one thing that we haven't delved into is how much what you eat can impact how you're handling stress. So I thought maybe we would talk about that today. Sounds good. So here we go. High sugar foods. You know, we were talking about your chocolate bars, your pops, anything that is high sugar can cause a roller coaster ride for your blood sugar. And this can lead to the jitters and it can really cause you mood swings. So First and foremost, away from the processed foods and definitely away from things that are high sugar. And almost, I'm sure this is not going to be considered correct, but almost the opposite of that then would be sugars that are quite high in fiber. So when we're talking about the processed sugars, we're talking about it getting into your bloodstream quickly and spiking your blood sugar levels. Fiber does... Um, the opposite really of that is it controls how quickly the sugar gets into your blood system. So it can actually be a very, very good thing to help control mood. We want to talk here about complex carbohydrates because they're very high in fiber. So when you're speeding down that um, that passage of the sugar into the bloodstream, you're helping to level out the blood sugar levels and it can really 
help to keep your mood and your stress at bay. So complex carbohydrates, we're talking about fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, any of those foods that are really high in fiber. And fiber is also key for your gut microbiome health. And because, you know, we've talked about this, Alex, how many times on the show, because our brain is connected to our gut and our cut, our gut is, you know, it, it, it's just, it's connected to everything. Yeah. Having a healthy gut, a healthy gut microbiome leads to a happier you. So it's not too far-fetched now to see why having a solid diet is important for your mental outlook. It really is. It, really it, it is. is. And it I've just, noticed... So I was going to no, go just say, I've, I've noticed uh, quite a few times when I haven't had, you know, a, a decent breakfast or vegetables with my meal, it really, it really messes with my ability to process a lot of things. And it does, it does really affect my mood for sure. And, you know, just overall in energy, you know, if you're not eating enough mm -hmm. and, and you're really working hard and struggling just to keep things afloat in your life at the moment, not having enough energy as a whole can really be impactful on you. So you really do have to pay attention to your diet. And we're talking about having a healthy gut and a happy gut. We also have to talk about including probiotic foods in your diet. And so here we're talking about things like kefir and kombucha, apple cider vinegar and kimchi, um, as well as omega fats. They have been researched and have been shown to help with anxiety, stress, depression. And a, a reason for this could be because the omega-3 fatty acids are essential for brain cell structure and function. And another could be because they're potent antioxidants and anti-inflammatories. So adding foods like wild-caught salmon and sardines and flaxseed and chia seed can also be very helpful. And one that I think a lot of people go to and know about is magnesium. We, we often supplement with magnesium. Sometimes people will have it at nighttime to help with sleep. But, you know, why not search your cupboards and your fridge and why not take magnesium in the foods that you eat? So things like um, dark chocolate, uh, leafy greens and spinach and Swiss chard, they're all great sources of magnesium and can really really, you know, take the edge off and help improve your mood, your mind, and your outlook. So, you know, we don't have to always be going into the supplement uh, cupboard to grab things to help us out. Really paying attention to what we eat can be very helpful during this time. So, so hopefully you can uh, take some of that information and, and put it to play. But on to... My, my ears perked uh, up a little bit there uh, when you well, said dark what, chocolate. The dark so chocolate. That was very exciting. Uh, you don't yeah. have to stay away from it chocolate. Just, you don't. No, I know. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great little dessert, you know, it's, it's, uh, and you can do things like be creative. So take your dark chocolate, melt it and dip your strawberries in it. You know, it can be decadent like that too, and still quite healthy. So it's, it's challenging these times. Um, and often, you know, some people are finding themselves much busier because they're multitasking, but really do pay attention to what you eat. It can be very, very helpful for uh for your outlook on on things but on to today's show or so on to today's show our guest is lonnie stormo and lonnie is the ceo and co-founder of pops diabetic care he has spent 34 years in the healthcare industry 
primarily at Medtronic, the largest medical device in the man, the largest medical device in the manufacturer world. At Medtronic, he served in a large variety of roles, including leading the Medtronic therapy delivery business. And in the last four years, Lonnie has successfully led the founding and growth of POPS, a leader in creating full virtual care, the next stage of healthcare. Lonnie is passionate about consumer experience, changing healthcare to focus on benefiting individuals across the globe, and serving as a leader of the most inspired teams. Lonnie is on local American Diabetes Association and Rotary International Boards. He holds a BSEE degree from South Dakota School of Mines and Technology and an MBA from Arizona State University. Um, and today's learning points, it's, he's quite an interesting guest. Today's learning points are, what is the POPS technology platform? How is technology pushing for a transformation in the healthcare system? And what is health-associated waste? So these and lots of other things we'll be talking about when we come back from our little break here on The Health Hub. goes out to the world changes shining your light in the face of danger oh tell us what you know you're a saint you're a son you're a promise keeper bottom of the well still digging down deeper oh how far you gonna go chasing down hope moving on dreams taking that path maybe
are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Please do follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC. And as mentioned, if you'd like to contact us directly, please email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. Lonnie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Kathy. I'm excited to be here. It's a very unique um, way we're going to be structuring this show because I want to get right into to what you love and your platform. And then from there, trickle down to some other topics. So let's get started right away. How did you get to where you are right now? What's your journey been? Yeah, thanks for asking because it has been a, quite a journey to get me to the point where I can have really an impact on healthcare in a bigger way like I want to. And that all started when I went to work for Medtronic actually 35 years ago. I spent 30 years at Medtronic uh, before I left five years ago. And during that time, healthcare and my passion for impacting people's lives really became real. You know, the mission that Medtronic has, it's a fabulous company. If you don't know them, they do medical devices, pacemakers, defibrillators, insulin devices, et cetera. And they really changed people's lives. And that really became ingrained into me. And I really believe that mission. And during that time, I saw a couple of things happening. One is I saw the consumerism of healthcare starting to happen where people were taking healthcare into their own hands. I saw the proliferation of these very powerful computers that we all carry around now and spend our lives on called our smartphones and um, saw that healthcare is going to start changing in the way we deliver healthcare. And at the same time, I also, while I was at Medtronic, um, became a type one person with diabetes. And with that, I needed to manage my diabetes every day. And I had been doing that now for 20 years. And what was always amazing to me when I was doing that is that the way I was managing this chronic condition never changed during that whole time. I had a test kit for me always sitting in my bathroom, never out with me when I was living my life. So I couldn't check my blood sugar while I was living my life. And then every six months, I'd go to the doctor and I'd get support from some type of healthcare professional who was trained in this. And I thought to myself, with these trends of consumerism and healthcare and these smartphones, how can we possibly not be changing the way we're managing conditions like diabetes? And so five years ago, I left Medtronic with the vision to flip healthcare around on its head and essentially say, what can we give to people, individuals like myself, to enable them to own their own healthcare? And with that was the beginning of POPs, and that's the platform that we've created today. So tell, as I said, I want to start right away with this platform because I think it's it's a piece of a larger of a larger passion of yours. What exactly is the Pops platform? So as I mentioned, we really want to enable people to own their own condition and own their own life using technology, and we think this is the future of healthcare. And so our platform begins with Mina, your personal AI coach, who is in your phone. We have no live coaches at Pops. A lot of companies have chosen to kind of take on these chronic conditions by doing what we call telehealth remote management. They have live coaches sitting in their offices and they're connected to the person with the condition and they try to remotely manage that person. And part of the challenge of that is they're usually connected to that same test kit, which is sitting in the bathroom. So if it's not with you, they're not managing anybody. But with Mina, this is a coach now with you as long as you have your phone. And let's face it, today we have our phones with us all the time. That's true. And so, so Mina can help you and coach you and give you some guidance in terms of the things that you should be doing to better manage your condition and everything from as simple as 
reminding you to check your blood sugar if it's been a while, um, to if I'm out of my goal too much, Mina might suggest to me, hey, Lonnie, it looks like you're struggling with your goal. Let's open it up by 10% or whatever number she thinks is right for me. And she's looking at how motivated I am to manage my condition and trying to adjust my suggestions based on that. And then when I start meeting my goal, she's gonna congratulate me and I earn points. There's a gamification to it that she's challenging us with. And then um, she'll say, hey, you're doing great. Let's tighten up your goal by 3%. And so the same thing a doctor might do for me every six months, Mina's kind of doing with me live in my phone. And then we can surround Mina with a variety of sensors. But what we have on the market today, specifically focused on helping people with diabetes is we replace the test kit that was usually sitting in people's bathrooms because we heard that from many, many people with a small device that's about two thirds the size of a cell phone. You don't have to wear anything and you can get a blood sugar measurement anytime, anywhere. I don't even have to stop walking to take my blood sugar anymore. And so we completely kind of changed the game and we gave that power to people with diabetes now to essentially allow them to own their condition and own their life. But does your, uh, does the POPs interface with many other um, brands? Is that the right thing to say? Because I know now diabetics have the, the pump that they can actually wear constantly. And I, I've seen um, them swipe the pump for the reading. Now, is this all uh, a full package thing you have? Or are you working with distributors of different types of mechanisms with type 1 diabetes? So it's a first important to kind of recognize that out of the 100% of people with diabetes, about 97% of them are not using the type of devices that you're talking about. They're just either not indicated for it or they just don't care to wear those types of devices, insulin pumps or, or uh, continuous glucose monitors, et cetera. So there's a very small percentage of people who are using those kinds of attached devices. Oh. The other 97% of people are using that same standard of care that I mentioned to you that I've used for 20 years. And so we really are focused more on those folks and helping them engage more in owning their condition. The, uh, it certainly is our plan to continue to integrate in with uh, these more sophisticated devices like insulin pumps mm -hmm. to allow people that are using those to also use POPs. But that isn't where we first focused because that's not where the majority of people are today. Uh, so we offer this as a, uh, a subscription service to health plans and to employers to allow their participants to use this better type of technology to manage their diabetes. So, it, so the person using the POPs still has to do a, a glucose reading, a blood test? Yeah, so the works? device that okay. we have as part of that basically is the way to do the blood test and it is still a uh, way to get a blood drop, but we do it in a different way so that 93% of people in one of our studies said that it hurts much less than the traditional kind of lancing kit. Um, so we, the most accurate way to measure blood sugar is still to get a blood drop, and that is what we do. We just change the experience of doing it to make it easier, and, and there's no assembly that you saw with the test kits that, that people have today. If you've ever seen anybody with uh, diabetes pull out their kit and unzip it, and then they start an assembly process, we don't do any of that. That's why I can check my blood sugar without ever stop walking, actually. Interesting. And this crosses over to type 1 and type 2, obviously. It does cross both type one and type two. And, and really the, the magic is, is in that total experience of having the ability to know your blood sugar anytime, anywhere, and then combine that along with some AI coaching that you're getting along with that blood sugar measurement. And so now, kind of like I said, simply in your hand, you have the power. And that's not what any of the trying to traditional care allows you to have and or the telehealth care where somebody's kind of calling you and watching you. 
or even the devices that people wear. Those are super cool devices and um, very, very important to many people that use them to manage their condition. But for that three or percent of people that are using those types of devices, uh, POPs could potentially still be an advocate for them in terms of being, you know, Mina, your health coach, et cetera, helping you. And often many of those people who are wearing those devices still use the standard zip up kit to check their blood sugar. And now they can replace that with our device. So is this, is Mina, uh, does she learn more about you as you are communicating with her? Is it very individualistic or is it, you've got certain things that Mina can do and that's, um, that's the limit. Does she do things like diet suggestions and get up and move or you haven't eaten today? Is it, is it that integrative? So it's, it's uh, improving all the time is the best way to say the mm -hmm. answer to that question. And so Mina is starting to learn who you are from the time you register and looking at things like, as an example, she'll ask you when you're registering, how frustrated are you by your diabetes? How much of an expert do you are you think in managing your diabetes? And other questions like this um, so that she starts to get a sense of kind of, you know, what you're looking for and how motivated you are to manage your condition. And then she'll continue to evolve in terms of what she asks based on your, you know, how often you're testing your blood sugar, uh, what times a day are you doing it, the kind of blood sugar results you get. And then she's also posing questions to you kind of throughout where she's learning more about you. As an example, this morning she asked me, do you have a plan for when your blood sugar gets low? And that's just something that is a good thing that um, everybody with diabetes should have so that they're prepared for that. And by Mina asking me that, it makes me kind of think about that and say, what would I do? Do I have, you know, glucose pills with me? Do I have a way of notifying my, you know, wife or, um, you know, whoever is around me that I think I need help? So those are the kinds of things that Mina's kind of prompting on. We are not specifically having Mina today go into diet and nutrition. Uh, mm -hmm. because that's a whole nother field. And that doesn't mean that she won't eventually, but the major, what, one of the th important things we heard from people with diabetes when we started POPs was uh, we held a, uh, we talked to hundreds of people in focus groups. And even at that time, when we started five years ago, there was more than a thousand apps in the app store for managing your diabetes and tracking nutrition and all the different things that people could do. And yet, we actually were so startled by this. We worked with a physician to publish this at the American Diabetes Association. 90% of people said they wanted to use an app to manage your diabetes, but only 10% were actually doing it. And we said, well, why is this big gap here? And the big gap really was there as you talk to people because the apps were just too cumbersome, too hard to use, too much, you know, people would do it for two or three weeks and then they'd shut it off because they couldn't take it anymore. And so we're trying to be really careful as Mina interacts with you, not to become one of those apps that people want to shut off. And so that's, that's where the trick is going to be as we continue to evolve healthcare and AI coaching to keep an experience that people want to engage with, yet not give them so much that they basically say, you know, this isn't worth it to me. Um, and, and always riding that line, I think, is going to be the challenge for companies like ourselves. And I get that. I really do get that. You know, when there are some apps that, um, because of what I do, I'm, I'm often looking at different apps to see if there's something that is applicable for when I'm working with people. And when you've got to go in and how many ounces of this and, and you know, how many, it, it, it can get cumbersome and it can take over your day. Um, so I, I totally get that. Now, is this information stored and then conferred onto a doctor? 
So totally up to your choice. So when we talk about flipping healthcare on its head and putting you more in charge, which is what we see as the future of healthcare, we really believe that people own their own condition and own their life. And we actually call the people that start using our system, not members, not participants, not patients. We call them owners because we want them to own their life. And so we also want you to own who you share with. And so we really, um, yes, the, there's definitely a portal built out. And so that you can send this information to your healthcare professional if you'd like to share it in that way, whether it's a diabetes educator, a nurse or a doctor. And they absolutely can see this very easily without needing any pop software or anything like that. But also importantly, we want you to choose your caregivers. And so as an example, I choose my wife to be a caregiver for me. She can see anything or whatever I send to her um, or log in and see whatever I've sent, but she doesn't want to see all that information. So she actually has the ability to go in and she sets an alert. And so whenever my blood sugar is below 60, she now gets a notification on her phone. So I have part of that as my low glucose plan is that she gets notifications when I check my blood sugar and it's too low, and then she'll inevitably follow up with me. So similar to how some other companies in telehealth solutions and so forth might say, we have a live person in case your blood sugar is too low. We want you to have that too with this pop solution, but we want you to choose who that person is. And, and again, I choose my wife, but I also share with my doctor too. And so he can see my information when I go in for my appointments. Fair enough. Now, is POPs an acronym for something? It is not. Uh, POPs is really, you know, when we started the company, we did not want to be a medical company. We did not want to have a name that talked like, you know, scientific, you know, sessions, whatever. We wanted to have a consumer-oriented company and a company that we could have some fun with. And that's really what POPs is all about. We see POPs as a simple action word. And that's what we want people to do is take simple action and manage their condition. Excellent. So... Taking this out farther now, um, is POPs sort of the first step in a larger plan for you in having people take their health into their own hands a bit more? Yeah, so this is absolutely a platform that one we believe is the beginning for us in terms of what we call the democratization of healthcare, but also builds into a larger you know, landscape of what we see happening in the healthcare industry around more things like virtual clinics and virtual providers like ourselves within those virtual clinics. And we could talk more about that, but kind of coming back to POPs and where we see it going is, we see in general the trends being that people want to take more ownership and take healthcare themselves, that consumerism of healthcare that I mentioned earlier. And, you know, as an example, uh, the the wearables industry is just exploding. There's a hundred million dollars of sales in the U.S. today in wearables. Home health devices are $40 billion and growing by 50% in the next four years. And so 90% of people say they can manage their health better if they have technology to do it. And so we see that happening. And so essentially what we want to do is create more of a technology that enables a person to manage their condition as opposed to what we've been doing for many years in the healthcare industry, which is creating systems to um, manage you as a patient. And, and so, yeah, we see this as the beginning of a platform and the beginning of a bigger transformation that's happening in healthcare. So where do you see your next um, venture going? Uh, have you like picked a health condition that you think is the next most appropriate place for you to enter into? 
Yeah, well, we're definitely going to stay adjacent to diabetes at this point in time. Um, and the probably most obvious thing is, uh, you know, people that are managing their weight, people that are managing their hypertension, people that are managing, um, you know, conditions that are similar or related to uh, metabolic diseases like diabetes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's what we're looking at. And we haven't picked a specific, you know, area at this point in time, but we see this as a platform that, um, has got you know interest from people and that we need to kind of take into the next steps but we're going to do that strategically and kind of start with our core of diabetes and kind of expand from there now how long has pops been around for so we started the company five years ago but we literally started from scratch i mean we just had an idea on a piece of paper when we started and so we had to build the whole system um, set up all the supply chain do the clinical devices get fda clearance and now we have our C mark, so we can go outside the United States also. And uh, we commercialized just a little over a year ago after doing all that work. So right now you're totally in the United States? Uh, Sales-wise, yes, we're in the United States right now um, with some plans to do some things outside the United States soon. Interesting. So over this last period of you know, our, our quarantine and being in the house for the last, we're, we're nine weeks now. Um, have you seen a, a real um, pop in your business? <laughs> I actually didn't even, make, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't do that on purpose, actually. Have you seen a, a surge in your business? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, that must have been in the back of my mind. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, it is interesting because it, 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 this is the exact time that where people can use solutions like this because they're less wanting to go to clinics for routine kind of conversations and so forth. And um, people with diabetes should be managing their condition. You know, this is more important now with the COVID virus and the risk you have from poorly controlled diabetes management mm -hmm. is it's even more important now. And so what we are seeing is a, a definite um, rise in interest from employers and health plans to offer solutions like this out to their employees. Um, and so we expect uh, overall, as much as I hate to say it, that COVID virus will be an overall good thing for digital health solutions like POPs. Well, I imagine so because, you know, even um, I've had to transfer over to a virtual practice and, you know, everyone is, is becoming more familiar through the piece, you know, uh, you know, from, for instance, my daughter who is now transferring on to more of an online presence for her practice, right up to my mom who is having to get some sort of a, a handle on technology. It's, it's, at the very least, this is giving people more of a familiarity with how to go on to um, sites and manage virtually things. But I think another piece of this, and I know that I've myself, I find this personally, is that once you've sort of subscribed or once you have some technology that you are you're owned to and you sort of are, are obliged, if that's the right word, to, to go into and update and talk to, it's more motivating you know, it's far more motivating for you. I, that's my feeling. Is that something that you can, you can transfer onto the POPs platform as well? It's more motivating? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, just using a quick analogy is as we were doing different club meetings and so forth outside of my work with Zoom, at first I think everybody thought, well, this isn't gonna work. This is gonna be terrible. And now what we've started to find is because of, you know, things like Zoom and people being able to participate from home, we're actually getting higher levels of attendance and participation rates because of it. And all of a sudden this is becoming the cool new way we can start to do this. And, and I think the same thing is happening in healthcare 
is that people are realizing now that you know doing a virtual you know telehealth visit for a physician and a patient is something real that can actually be done and it can be done successfully and and we can you know uh, work with this and then likewise taking that a step further in terms of AI virtual care like we call pops that as people get comfortable with that technology they're going to all of a sudden figure out that this is something that is not a pain. This is actually something that helps them. And I, and obviously I'm biased, but I've been using POPs now uh, for two years to manage my condition. If I ever had to go back to what I was doing before, I would just feel so disappointed mm -hmm. and feel like I've gone backwards in terms of my management. I was already well managed as a person with diabetes. Uh, people that listening may not know what A1C is, but it's the clinical measure of blood sugar. And Generally speaking, people with diabetes are asked to you know, manage their A1C below seven, and mine was always about 6.8. But when I started using POPs so that I could be more active in doing it, I was reminded from Mina of things to do. My A1C now runs about one point lower at 5.8, and I'm being very successful with that, and I know that I would struggle if I had to give it up. And so I think that's the way people will start to feel about these kinds of technologies as they get used to them. Yeah, I mean, the learning curve is shorter and shorter now, or less and less steep for for all of these for um, sure. new technologies. You know, originally when they came out, was, there was so much to learn that it was like almost, it was, it was overbearing. But the other thing that I'm seeing, even on television, uh, that may help for not, not just your platform, but other types of medical platforms, is that now doctors are having to come online with this. And yes. doctors are now having to see that there's a lot that they can do virtually without having to have a patient sitting in front of them. And if they start relying on these technologies, then that is just going to be a boon for the healthcare system in the vision that you're seeing it going in. Yeah, I totally agree. You're right in terms of the shorter um, learning curve because all of us are getting used to technology in general, right? I mean, whether it's online shopping or Zoom meetings for a club meeting or now healthcare like this. And so as all those things, our savviness goes up and um, we're not going to want to go back. I, I agree with you. As long as the platforms are useful uh -huh. and that they add value into what we're doing, um, this is the way healthcare is going to move. And I think the biggest thing that has to move with it is the payment industry. Um, so in general, we need to allow payment to enable, we need to allow payment to change to enable technology to move us forward. Mm -hmm. And that's been one of the hampers of healthcare in the past. And as those things try to adjust and then people see the value in the technology platforms, we're going to see healthcare move. Because I think from a consumer perspective, the person on the receiving end of that healthcare they're just looking for convenience. They're looking for time and they're looking for convenience. And that's what these technology platforms allow them to do. And uh, if they can get technology or con convenience and time back and still manage their health well, they're always going to opt for the technology. I totally agree. We're going to take a quick break right here and come right back and continue with our discussion with Lonnie. There is power, power Here in this hour, this hour We're all together, together Waiting here as one There is power 
power Here in this hour, this hour We're all together, together Waiting here as one voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a great conversation here with Lonnie Stormo. We're going to continue on just in that same vein. So the thing that I find, you know, and I went through a diagnosis myself and uh, I had cancer. So there was, you know, the fear factor, the stress factor, all of that. I think one of the the great benefits that technology within the medical um, person, the medical field can, can give people is to reduce stress. Um, you're, if, if you are away from the clinical visits a bit more, if you can manage your own health a bit more. To me, that stress component drops uh, precipitously. Now, is that something too that's in the mindset of where you're looking to take things like POPs and other AI technology? Yes, absolutely. And the reason that's important is because that when people are not sure if they're managing their condition well enough, that causes them an underlying amount of stress that is always there. May not be, you know, kind of their immediate stress of getting to their next appointment on time, but that underlying stress that kind of always stays with you in terms of, I wonder if I'm going to be okay. I wonder if I'm going to end up with these complications that people talk about or that I read about and not knowing. I think one of the biggest influencers of stress is information and in this case lack of information and so when people don't know that's what drives them to want to you know go to their physician and say well you know am i doing everything right what else can i do but again they can't be with their physicians most of the time most of the time they're on their own and if they don't have that information then it's about how do we help them have that information at a more convenient time to them and that's what these kind of virtual coaches like we offer can do for a person is offer them information when it's useful for them right at that time. You just tested your blood sugar and it's 180. Um, 
one of the things you could do right now is go walk or get some exercise to bring your blood sugar down. Did you take your medications this morning? You know, things like that to try to help people be more knowledgeable, you know, that information part about managing their condition. And we think that's a key to the stress is information. And that's really what virtual services like this can provide. Do you see a trend with the doctors that you are approaching? I'm assuming you're talking to doctors going through um, part of the, the, the formation of your platform. Do you see them accepting this or is this more of a something that they have to do? Is, I think what I'm getting at is, are they happy to see these technologies and are using them as part of their process or is it uh, tooth and nail going against it? Well, I would, I would love to say that all doctors are exactly the same, but as you know, they're all personalities and they all have their own kind of styles. The people that are um, more forward thinking definitely see this as this is the wave of the future. This is what's happening. And this can actually help me. There's always going to be some people that are scared and not sure what it's going to mean to them personally. And am I going to lose my job through this? As we see all of this, this is not about losing your job. This is about enhancing your job and making what you do actually probably more valuable because now you're spending time as the healthcare professional, not on the very routine stuff that we can do with these kind of you know uh, AI coaches when they're with people all the time. But as a physician, spend times on the people that are really having the most problems or on very you know, specific type of questions that are outside the routine. And so we hope that we're actually enhancing the physician's job, not scaring them. And I, I use a couple of uh, statistics. One's very US-based, but there is in the primary care area, which are seeing 95% of the people with diabetes in the United States, a shortage of 125,000 uh, primary care physicians. And so this isn't about trying to reduce the need for physicians. This is about trying to reduce the backlog and the you know, inability to have a really good quality conversation with your physician when you see them. And then the other statistic I would use is, it's kind of an interesting analogy, exercise clubs and then virtual exercise. So mm -hmm. exercise clubs prior to COVID-19, when people can't go into exercise clubs, found that their business went up by about 30% when they started offering virtual classes. So the scared people might say, well, you can't offer virtual classes. Nobody will come into the club. But what they actually found was people get more connected to that club when they can do a virtual class when it's most convenient for them. But then, then when they want that kind of social interaction, et cetera, they can go into the club. And I think we're going to find the same thing for healthcare. Uh, it's interesting you say that because we had a guest on the show, uh, James Maskell, who is seeing the trend to more community-based and uh, group settings. And that sort of plays into that idea. And I, and I think that the more knowledgeable that patients can be about their disease and about themselves, the more that a, an app and an app within a group setting type of an idea and people working out their own problems can get rid of some of the healthcare waste that's going on. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, we're, information and knowledge is what's going to solve that problem. And this is all about just using technology to give people information and knowledge so that we're not spending time on things that don't make any sense. And I think that's kind of the same thing you're saying and that people can actually help solve the problems themselves with technology, with some social interaction, and we want to enable people to do that. And if the doctors can get it, become involved and, and guide the way that this moves 
and work with people and the apps, then that's the transformation of healthcare, I guess, that you're seeing coming down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. And, you know, you asked earlier, you know, do we have physicians involved? Or I assume we do. And we do. We have medical advisors involved. And, you know, when you talk to one of those physicians, they absolutely see this as an advantage to them. And, and they can now guide and help other people get much more care than they would ever be able to give by just having one individual come into the office every 30 minutes. And short of needing an, ap- an actual physical exam, so much can be discussed much more quickly. Uh, doing, and I know Zoom is not the proper um, platform, but doing a, we call it HIPAA, um, the doctors sort of have to have their own platform. It can't right. be a public, I can't, I don't know what it's a called. A secure type platform. Uh, so, thank you. Um, uh, sometimes I can't talk. Yeah, but, um, the doctors, you know, if they get their secure platform and can work with two or three people that have the same situation, uh, I, I just think that that is it's a much more efficient way to do things. And, and we're seeing that evolve. And, and this is being pushed on us, whether we like it or not, uh, within the last nine weeks. I, I think it's brilliant. But is there the flip side to this as well? Is there a danger that people may think that they can manage their medical situations really beyond what they should be taking control of. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And we need to be careful about that. Of course, with every good thing, there's always a concern that we need to kind of you know, bring up. And that is the concern is that we go too far. Uh, as an example, AI coaches, uh, you know, like the one that we have right now, we're very, very careful that we don't give medical advice through that AI coach. We don't want to go too far, enable a person to think that they can, as an example, change their medication levels by themselves without getting consult from their physician. So we don't want to do that. And I think, I think that's part of the information and knowledge management also to make sure that we use technology to inform people where they should and where they shouldn't make decisions for themselves and when they should get some healthcare and get some prompting from a, an AI coach to say, you know, you need to go see your physician about this. And if, if that's the way we're building these technology platforms, then hopefully we can mitigate that risk and that concern that you're bringing up. Does that mean restricting what the platforms will actually be allowed to infer to the people using it? I think so, at, at least today. You know, we're still, we're still gaining knowledge and experience in this whole area of what a platform can do for a person to uh, enable them to you know, take more ownership. And so we need to be careful and not go too far and assume too much. And so, yes, I do think we need to limit the platforms. And I think, again, we can use some warning statements from these platforms to a person to say, I'm not sure about this, or maybe this isn't quite the right words, but I'm not sure about this, but you should talk to your physician about this. And I I think that way we can limit the platform and put more back into the person conferring with the healthcare professional who's trained and licensed, et cetera. So when you're talking about consumer, you know, you've, you've talked about consumer waste, waste and healthcare waste. Are you talking about time only? No, for sure not time. I mean, the, the, the biggest example I could use in terms of healthcare waste is that when people don't manage a condition like diabetes, 75% of the cost of diabetes across the world is because of the complications of diabetes. And so talk about waste in that way that, you know, because, you know, diabetes is poorly controlled across the world, it's the leading cause of blindness, the leading cause of amputations, uh, leading cause of kidney disease. 
And so all those things are going on to waste healthcare dollars, to waste people's lives, to waste, you know, the, 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 what they can add to value into the society. And so that is the biggest waste is poorly managed conditions in, in healthcare. But outside of that, um, you know, then there's the time element that you brought up, just making it more convenient for people. And then also I'll go back to what are our physicians spending their time doing? If they're spending their time seeing a very routine, well-controlled person for 30 minutes that um, isn't very knowledgeable about their condition anyway and doesn't have good questions, et cetera, versus having the physician spend time with people who really need the help and or well-knowledge people that are bringing in good questions because they have technology informing them along the way. So I think healthcare waste reduction happens in a lot of ways. An interesting thing that's come out of um, the COVID crisis here in, in Ontario, I can't speak beyond that, probably Canada, is that our emergency rooms are very underused at this point. Um, and to me, that's an interesting thing. Now, whether people are frightened to go to the hospital or whether people are starting to say, hey, maybe I can do this a little bit more on my own or I can take care of this myself. This to me can be, you know, it's, it's a little bit of an indicator of where these, this type of technology can fit in. Um, you know, because before this, the emergency rooms were inundated. And to me, this is, when I was looking at waste, this was part of the waste that I envisioned different to what you're, but I guess it is a financial burden as well. But when people can step back and say, well, let me think of what is actually needed for care. Do I need to go to the doctor or can go to an app of some sort? To me, this is, this is a vision of where we can really eliminate a lot of the waste. And I think that this is a, a real positive when it comes to these technologies. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I'm smiling when you use that example because I've used that same example as I've been talking to people is... Oh. Look at, look at how the ER utilization has changed so much in the last two months because we were driven to change it. Mm -hmm. And I would be really interested, and I haven't seen this study, but it'd be really interesting to look at the corollary of how many of those same conditions that people typically come into the ER for and are not are being searched for on Google and mm -hmm. or apps that are being used. Because I think we would see that the shift came down in the ER and it went up in that area, which is essentially what we're talking about here, which is people owning their own healthcare and the consumerism of healthcare, and, and people will get healthcare in the most convenient form to them. And right now, it's not convenient for them to go to the ER. <laughs> exactly. It's not convenient, and it's a little bit frightening for them. Yeah, exactly. Now, with the, the burgeoning of this, of, of this industry, right now, I'm assuming it's fairly, um, what's the word I'm looking, it's not controlled by an agency, per se. As these become more and more advanced and people are taking them into their hand and are using them more and more as a tool, do you think that there will be a body that will come down and start controlling these apps and you will have to go to some sort of a, a governing agency to make your next moves? Do you see this coming down the pike? So I think what's going to happen is so today, uh, really where the regulatory uh, review is happening is on any apps or technology where I'm going to use very broadly where medical advice is offered. So anything that is like a, an example in, in diabetes, titration of insulin, you need to get regulatory approval, whether it's you know the regulatory review in Canada or the US, et cetera. If you're doing wellness coaching, 
behavior modification type things, there is no regulatory approval. And so there's essentially a line that's been drawn in terms of medical advice. I personally, I don't know for sure, but I personally don't believe that we will see that line move over into wellness coaching and behavior because what I see instead happening is that more and more technology is going to be crossing the line into that medical advice group. Mm -hmm. And that's going to already uh, be more of a burden for the regulatory people to review more and more technology that wants to start to deliver healthcare via you know technology. And so I think we're going to see it less getting uh, more less about more oversight over broadly and more in terms of uh, more and more technology is going to move into what's already being regulated today. Hopefully that made sense. It did. It made a lot of sense. Um, so next steps for you. Where, what are you looking at doing from here? It's concentrating on this and getting this more fine-tuned or are you looking to go in different directions? Well, always with the eye on this big vision of the democratization of healthcare and how can we play into the platforms that are going to make the democratization of healthcare happen, meaning people taking healthcare into their own hands when I say democratization of healthcare. Mm -hmm. We will always have that eye and continue to look for partners that we can work with that are creating, as an example, virtual clinics for people to kind of start participating in. But us as a platform, Directly, we're you know going to focus right now on getting what we already have as a very useful platform for people to improve their lives meaningfully. We've shown that in clinical studies, et cetera, out to them. And more and more people using the system is going to be what I left Medtronic to do is to change more lives and help people you know live a better life. And then we'll continue to expand that platform as it's useful for people to manage their condition. Always again with that eye of how do we get as an industry to this full democratization of healthcare and virtual care. And, you know, people, some people listening to the show are very much, you know, still entrenched. Most I would say are more are still entrenched in, in our, our medical system as has been for many, many years. You're not trying to replace the physician. I think this is an important thing that should be absolutely stated. I think it's been an undertow of our conversation, but you're not trying to replace the physician. This is important. Not, yeah, not at all. Thank you for saying that, Kathy, because I totally agree. And if I in any way implied that, that's not what I want to do. This is about enhancing the experience of a person that's going to a physician so that they can better do what the physician is asking of them when they leave the clinic. In no way do we think that solutions like this are going to replace physicians. Uh, it's hopefully going to make the physician's job easier to do and more valuable in terms of where they think they're spending their time. And uh, so this is absolutely not about replacing physicians. Yeah, and that's an important piece. And I wanted to state that very clearly because I'm all into these apps. You know, some are better than others, of course, but I think it is an important piece. And as I said, if you can have minute by minute or, you know, even even something as simple as a step counter, you know, uh, people are, are just are trying to get up to their 10,000 steps. To me, that's a brilliant move from where we were a few years ago. But I, I think that it is important that we understand this and that you're trying to make the whole experience a pleasant one. And I do think that the more people can take certain aspects of their health into their own hands, the fear goes down, the understanding goes up. And I think it's just a, it's a beautiful picture and all. Now, if 
if someone wants to find out more about you, they want to, and I, I know you're not out of the U United States right now, but still, um, I'm assuming that's something that you're moving toward, and my listeners are outside of Canada as well. How can they find out more about you, maybe contact you about uh, your product and future endeavors? Yep, so the easiest way is obviously our website, popsdiabetes.com, popsdiabetes.com. And there they can send a message to our company. And uh, if you address it to myself, Lonnie, uh, I will get that message. And uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Lonnie Stormo, just like it sounds, S-T-O-R-M-O, or on Twitter, at Lonnie Stormo. And uh, I'd be happy to hear from other people. Uh, in, in terms of you know, Canada, as you bring up specifically, we very much uh, have Canada on our radar screen. Matter of fact, a year ago, we won Indentures, which is the biggest business competition for startups in Canada and uh, believe that Canada would be a great place for us to come next. And so, you know, what we often want is uh, somebody to work with to help us get us there. And I'd uh, be more than happy to hear from any of your listeners who are interested in, in what we talked about here today. Wonderful. Lonnie, thank you so much. I find these conversations very interesting, you know, moving things forward in healthcare. So thank you for taking the time to share with us uh, POPs and, and your vision of where healthcare is going. Well, thanks for having me, Kathy. It was really fun. Thank you. And everybody, we'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.